0: And this is the thing that, for want of a better term, shits me about media and media reporting of the brewing industry. Oh,
1: yeah. He says as the media reporting of the brewing industry.
0: (laughs) Welcome back to another year of Brews News Week, your complete wrap-up of the brewing industry news this week. We're not here to sell you anything, we're here to tell you everything that you need to know if you want to know what actually matters in the Australian beer industry. My name is Matt Kirkegaard, founder of Brews News, and I'm joined by my senior journalist, Claire Burnett. Welcome back, Claire.
2: Hey, Matt.
0: Immediately, as I said, my journalist. You're not my journalist, you're Brews News, you're you're the the people's journalist, you're the industry's journalist. I'm the
2: people's journalist, it's
0: true. (laughs) The only full-time employed uh, female journalist in the Australian brewing industry.
2: Yes, thank you very much. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Appreciate (laughs) that. Yeah,
0: no, I just think it well, and and one of the few full-time journalists in the brewing industry as well. So uh, there you go. Yeah, I'm glad to
2: be back. Thanks, Matt.
0: Now the next voice you'll hear is that we're joined by special guest Sabrina Kunt, former executive director of the Brewers Guild of New Zealand, and now Brisbane local. Welcome back, Sabrina.
1: Thanks, Matt. Hi, Claire.
0: Hey, Sabrina. Thank you for joining us. Now, you, you have just moved back. You've you've made – 2021 was a tumultuous year for all of us, as we'll talk about, but you've just made the move back from New Zealand and your yep. role there back to Brisbane.
1: Yeah, so I'm originally Australian, as you can hear by the accent, and then I spent about 10 years uh, living in Canada and New Zealand Came back to Australia to do my mat leave, got stuck on this side of the border, finally got back into New Zealand, got stuck on that side of the border um, and finally finished (laughs) up with the Guild in November. And so I'm formally a Queensland Brisbane resident and um, I've been enjoying many breweries and trying to get out there and support local at the moment in particular. Um, And maybe we can chat in below the fold about my little... um, 52 breweries in a year expedition that I've been on. I haven't quite hit it, but we're getting close. (laughs) Well,
0: Claire's already wetting herself at the conversations that we had before uh, with Sabrina taking me to task for my opinion. So, uh, it, it was amazing. It was,
2: in. Listening, it was amazing. It was so good. I just sat back with my popcorn, enjoying the show. It was good. But you're, you may, you're in for a treat.
0: You are, but you may notice that you won't hear today the dulcet tones of my good friend Pete Mitchum. Uh, yeah, 2021 was a challenging year for us all, and this podcast is now 10 years old, and after a challenging year, and talking about, to some extent, the same subjects for more than a decade. It was a tiring year for both Pete and I in 2022. So when we had a chat at the end of the year, we've decided we're going to run a slightly deeper bench um, for the Brews News Week and spread the load a little. Uh, We're going to have some guest commentators, such as uh, Sabrina. Um, And I think this will be good for us as individuals and keep our energy and enthusiasm. And I think it'll also be good for the show with a wider array of voices and views. And let's face it, most of you who have been listening for a while pretty much can anticipate what we're going to say. Um, we even have bingo cards. So
2: we want to <laughs> we're keep We're getting you... predictable, aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well,
0: when people feel confident enough to put out a bingo card, you know, based on, you know, the news, um, it's probably time to mix things up a little bit. So, okay. yeah, we, we want to keep you listeners uh, guessing a little bit more. And <laughs> as I've already flagged, you're going to hear some uh, interesting... Counter opinions, which is good because opinions are just ideas that haven't found a permanent home yet, um, or <laughs> ideas, yeah. So something a you know, workshop. I, was that, but say,
1: I think work we should workshop that, yeah. that for a while. Yes,
0: opinions are a clash of ideas. There's no, you know, un- un- unless we're talking about science and uh, vaccinations <laughs> do indeed help. Um, everything else, you know, there are opinions and there are facts. Most of what we deal in is opinions, and uh, so yes. Now, as al- always, your feedback is welcomed about any changes that we make, um, and you can let us know what you think about this episode and upcoming episodes by emailing us at producer at bruisenews.com.au. So if you love it, if you hate it, um, if you, uh, you know, whatever.
1: Please don't hate me the first week. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I,
0: I I mean, don't... imagine <laughs>
1: that. Imagine if we loved it, but we hated the new girl. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe just... I'd say jog on, jog on.
0: <laughs> <laughs> what is it? Haters gonna hate is going to hate.
1: Hate is going to hate. I know, <laughs> but I've, there's some big shoes to fill, and I'm, you know, I don't want to, I don't well, want to upset anyone.
0: Just, uh, just remember, given the chat oh, we I had beforehand, that. don't hold back. And I'm, I'm pretty sure, <laughs> I'm willing to bet they will love you. Um, anyway, now one of the things that we have been saying for the last, uh, you know, since we instituted below the fold was we're going to keep the news nice and tight and then have a lot of a discussion we're actually going to try and adhere to that uh this <laughs> <laughs> well let's see how we go for week one and uh you know the journey of a thousand miles always starts with the first step and the first step is over to the news desk claire bonnet
2: first up uh bricklane is in a brand battle This is the big news for this week so bricklane brewing has launched legal action against the owners of Zero Carb Better Beer over potential confusion with its sidewinder beer brand. Uh, It filed statements in the Federal Court of Australia's New South Registry last month, um, arguing that Better Beer has made false misleading or deceptive representations in breach of the Competition and Consumer Act 2010. Uh, So Brickland's case argues that the similarities between the designs could cause confusion amongst customers. As to be expected, we've had a number of um, no comments Obviously, it's in the middle of court proceedings, uh, so you know they weren't going to be wanting to say anything. Uh, but if you'd like a more history of similar cases and some legal insight into the law of passing off, you can find a link in the show notes.
0: Nicely done. And uh, if you're wondering, th- no discussion. That'll be below the fold. Next story: Mighty Craft acquires 100% of Jetty Road. Mighty Craft which is also involved in the Better Beer brand, has completed the acquisition of 100% of the shares in Jetty Road Brewery. Mighty Craft submitted an offer to all shareholders of Jetty Road Brewery to purchase their shares for $0.60 per share. It previously owned around 70% of the business. Now, just as we were about to go to air, I downloaded the ASIC documents. And so I, looking at that, um, there were something like 15.5 million shares on offer. If I'm reading that correctly, and at sixty percent, sixty cents a share, that values the business at roughly nine point three million dollars. Just sort of throw that in there um, as a fact. Mm, Interesting. But that that that, that remains to be. Sorry, that was just uh, first first glance. I'll go through. Claire Brewing in New Zealand.
2: Indeed it has. Um, so we've got a report that's been released uh, by the, it was commissioned by the Brewers Association of New Zealand uh, and conducted by the New Zealand Institute of Economic Research. Um, it basically reveals uh, the economic contributions of the brewing industry in New Zealand, um, despite being impacted by COVID. So according to the findings, uh, the New Zealand brewing industry contributes significantly to GDP and generates over nine nine $900 million NZ in revenue for the government. The study reveals that the New Zealand brewing industry was worth $2.8 billion in the year to September 2021, supports so, um, just over 6,600 jobs um, through brewing and the purchase of intermediate inputs into the brewing process, paying over oh, uh, $409 million in wages. Um, so interesting report there from the Brewers Association of New Zealand.
0: Not the Brewers Guild of New Zealand. Uh, Indeed. Next up, Gage Roads set to open new venue. Gage Roads Bruco is opening the doors of its Frio venue on the 20th of January. The $10 million development has been opened ahead of schedule on the... Now, correct me. I'm really glad I didn't have to say this one.
2: <laughs> while
0: you're up Waterfront, transforming the, shed, the area's A-shed into a 25 hectolitre brewery, restaurant, bar and family-friendly venue. Uh, if you want more coverage about the... About that story, you will find links in the show notes to past coverage uh, of the development of that, including our brewery radar that keeps you up to date with all things upcoming in, in the brewing industry. So short, nice and tight. Look at us. We're 10 minutes in and we've already done news. So that is the news of the week. You can go about your business knowing what you need to know. If you'd like to know what we think about what you need to know, <laughs> and you can do with what you will, uh, we're, this is Below the Fold. Guest commentator Sabrina, what do you think of the Brick Lane battle?
1: And based on everything that I can put together, based on the publicly information timeline, it looks like Brick Lane were out there promoting Sidewinder in July, and they were sort of by August in national ranging. And yep. you've got Better Beer going into production in August, and so my big question comes back to how the hell could this have happened?
0: I, I think the the thing behind that is these things don't just suddenly happen. There is a long development process, graphic designs. You, you don't just go, here's our beer, slap a label yeah. on it.
1: Yeah, so so totally. And I think, you know, like I was stepping back and I went, so my first thought was, okay, these have got a retro 70s feel. Retro mm-hmm. 70 feel is everywhere in fashion at the moment. Yeah. That you, you walk into three stores and half their dresses look almost identical but not the same. But that's because somewhere – someone – in Paris has decided that it's the summer of, you know, 70s retro. We're all wearing brown and orange. Yeah, so cool. <laughs> and so I go, it's not I, – I, you know, trust that this was independently created. Like I – you know, the idea that it was sort of somebody trying to stalk out some other designer's design, I don't think that's what happened. I, I believe, you know, the stuff that's come out there. But notwithstanding, um, the development of a product – the contents and the packaging and the name and all of that stuff takes a huge length of time. Mm -hmm. And so if you were getting ready to pull the pin on what was going to be your flagship about to write in the ASX, talk about how great your package is. Pull uh, the pin
0: to launch as opposed to pull the pin to end. Oh, yeah, sorry. It's it's one of those ambiguous little... uh, Like
1: if you were about (laughs) to be like, here's our baby, like how wouldn't you have done a last check? And so I just go, how does something coming out of an organisation that is supposed to be as sophisticated as Mighty Craft. How does this happen?
0: That's the thing. Who has this come out of? Because it's actually Torquay Beverages is the, the, the business yep. that has launched this. Mighty Craft has, I think... a 60 from memory of the chat you heard the mark heman
2: Beverage um owns 60% of it and the inspired unemployed owns 40% of Better Beer the company but then and then Mighty obviously Mighty Craft uh, has 60% of owned...
0: Torky Beverages or something Oh
2: okay is 100% it
0: 100 I, I thought it was 100%. Oh, I don't think it's no I don't think it's 100% it of I don't think it's 100% of Torky Beverage because they've got a share of mm. a share of something that they have a share in when you go right. back to the um
1: Right so this is I mean, this is part of it, right? So, I mean, so we've got this whole uh, – I've got multiple rants.
0: Um, <laughs> You'll fit right in.
1: <laughs> well, it goes in multiple di- directions. So I come back to, okay, well, why do we care, right? Like, So I go back to the start and I go, why is this a big deal? And if we looked at the comments on on this news article on the Facebook page and in my oh, yeah. discussions with people in the industry and craft beer drinkers, and bearing in mind they're all in Brisbane, Queensland – Everybody goes. I had to do a double take. I thought it was Sidewinder. Yeah. So, but I guess it's a question of what you saw too. first because the, the well, better beer is it.
0: a bigger brand because like,
1: somewhere it's a bit bigger brand. It's not. Yeah. Well, it's
0: a mainstream play. The the inspired unemployed, are, you know, like
1: mm-hmm.
0: mainstream. You know, uh,
1: I get it, but either way, you can't have seen it first because it didn't come out until October. And well, you can Sidewinder. have seen it first. It's November, no, but, I think. But, like, if,
0: if if you've happened, one can be out there unseen you know uh, if, agreed if, if, if a branch if, if a brand launches in the forest and there's no one to see it sure um, fine <laughs> um,
1: it's, it's still launched so, but I can't, so okay so we've got this thing where they do look similar they do i yes. think everybody can agree they do look similar and the likelihood that one would be mistaken for the other regardless of which one you saw first hmm. Could that confusion arise? Yes, and that's the mm-hmm. that's the precipice.
0: I've seen a lot of discussion about Aldi. Now, does are Aldi's colours the same or similar? Because I've yeah. seen bags, um, posters, and stuff like that. So, yeah. does that mean both of them should have gone? Hold on, you know this looks like an Aldi beer.
1: Is you mean an Aldi beer can? I haven't um, seen an Aldi beer can. I, I don't know. I've just no. seen
0: photos of a bag on social media. I didn't get a chance yeah. to actually dig in. But they're going, Look, you know, they've both stolen their idea from Aldi. So I'm going, well, that's the thing. Yeah. Well, point... the Germans
1: come up with everything first. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> so really, they
2: should be getting involved in this. But I think the issue is, yes, that they could be confused with oh, each other. But what Brick Lane yep. is trying to say is that we came first. Correct. We have a reputation with this brand yep. and with this packaging. And they are leveraging off that. So this in itself is a really, like, that's a huge claim, and that is something that's really difficult to, to prove. It, it is. Unless you have an email from somebody at Mighty Craft or somebody at Torquay or somebody at Better Bear going, oh, we really like this packaging, shall we do use it for ours? There's, is there a
1: chance of winning that? I'm not sure. I So this is my question about – so, so you know, one of my rants is, like, how did it get here? And then I sort of follow down the path. Why go, didn't
0: the second to launch stop there when they realised the potential? Correct.
1: And who in that organisational structure, as complex as it could be, hmm. um, was responsible for that? And how did it not get pulled up? Because – it's bad PR you know regardless like, of the law regardless it looks bad. of the law it doesn't look great and so you know then I thought well what other and Claire I'll come back to what you were about to say but you know like what mm-hmm. other steps have been taken before you launch legal proceedings because in my experience um, mm-hmm. and I'm happy to talk about a, an experience we had at the Brewers Guild but you know a lot of things happen before you get to this stage right so this is the escalated yes. point so hmm. I can only exactly. presume yes. that a number of steps have taken place and one can also presume that pretty much the second better beer came out in October they were notified of Brick Lane's concerns. They were is all I'm telling you. Yeah, yeah right so <laughs> but, but
0: you, you've raised a really interesting point that I hadn't even considered is that yeah like it's highly unlikely that one has Knowingly copied the other because these Correct. were both yeah. in development before yep. they were ever revealed. Mm-hmm. Sure, but at some point one has been launched and then the second has been launched, and no one has said, "Look, quite apart from the fact that we love the design as well, is it a good idea to launch something so similar to something else?" Mm-hmm. Um, and I, you know, that is is it? That's why the the story is actually quite interesting for us to cover because it's an important decision that brewers need to be asking themselves quite you know it's even if legally it's okay is it just good to have a brand that is so similar to somebody
1: else's and and so then i want to tell you the rabbit Mm -hmm. hole i went down with this (laughs) um and i'm not saying it is the reason but i'm not saying it's not the reason so then i started a whole dig into like mighty craft and like how could this have happened like what are the governance structures in there like what are the staff looks like and there's not a lot that's publicly available but what is available is their annual report and they have five. Um, members on their board three who are sort of executives and then eight executives but three of them are on the board so you sort of got 10 in that senior group and there is one woman so this is a brand that is all about creating it's about being an accelerator now accelerator suggests innovation doing things differently move fast break things which they've clearly done here (laughs) and then I go okay well like you're actually – you've got no diversity on your board, so you're not bringing in just even um, blatant diversity, so not even gender diversity, let alone all of the other um, areas that we could be considering. The surprising
0: thing is the number of them that come from Big Beer, they're, they're, their experience is Big Beer, and you sort of think they would have been very aware – of legal requirements and the risk and these sorts of things.
1: So now, this, so you've got this whole situation. So I go, A, there's no women. So I just want to make the point that is not having a woman on your board the reason you have such no, a giant... No
0: one woman? One,
1: one woman in the executive exec, team. Okay, right, okay. So okay, one okay, out okay. of 10. So 10% out of their senior executives and board. That's notwithstanding various recommendations by the ASX where they're listed with respect to diversity. So I went down that rabbit hole and I won't bore you with the wonky side <laughs> of that. But I got really wound up about it because I, I thought, you know like how can these types of major errors occur and they would argue it's not an error I mean I think on the face of it it's clearly is and so I went down this whole rabbit hole of like I think they've got governance problems there clearly I think that um, you know this this product shouldn't have been allowed to launch in something that is so similar and if they simply don't care then their shareholders are now so this claim So, their um, legal team are now going to have a liability sitting on the books that they have Mm -hmm. to disclose to their shareholders about what a a successful suit could mean in terms of dollars. So, so that liability is going to have to sit there on their books as a potential liability, like a, a liability that could potentially arise. Um, th- that's going to have to be disclosed to shareholders as a result yeah. of this suit. So it's in Better Beers, Mighty Crafts, whoever you talk, hey, pick, pick a person. It's in their interest to have this resolved. So the fact that it's gotten to this stage says to me, like, what? who's making the call? Like, why is this a good idea? It's not good financially for anyone. Yeah. It's We've not a good look. We've
0: all seen businesses, though, and it's one of the things that frustrates me about you know corporate inertia where – once something is rolling, no one wants to make the call to stop it. And yep. it, 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 it sounds like because you just asked the question, uh, I, I scrolled in, is it an error? And, you know, the, the thing is we can sort of talk separately about the legalities of it. But in terms of if you've got a business and you've launched a brand that looks very similar to another one in a marketplace, so you have two, two brands that are largely similar, then that's an issue. Um, quite apart from all of the legal things well, you just said. Well, you're
1: no longer – I mean, you're supposed to be the the innovator and you've got a product that looks the same as somebody else's. That's and not is, particularly innovative, hmm. is it? I and think it's-, it's interesting
2: as well in the wider context of Mighty Craft. Um, also, Matt, by the way, you were right, sidetrack. Uh, they own 50% of Torque Beverage okay. Company, just to for the record. Yep. Um, Mighty Craft hasn't necessarily been doing um, well performance-wise. They are a loss-making business, and their cash that they had on hand is halved in the past year. They are having a hard time of it. Better beer seems to be a massive success for them, from what they've um, told the ASX. But is so it, is the massive it, success
0: it, because of the branding? You know, that, that's I would argue that the branding has nothing to do with it. It's the fact that they've got the inspired unemployed yeah. who are massive. You know, who have exploded yeah. massively during COVID. It's a beer that really fits a. Niche, uh, you know, like a, a, a rapidly growing niche, you know this wellness beer, and don't get me started on that. The, but the, you know the 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 the, 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 the better zero before, carb, the, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that, and you know it's it's so so there was so much right about this that I think has nothing to do with some colours and some lines on a can that, to Sabrina's point, could easily have been avoided without any of this messiness and any of the legal ramification it just
1: sort of seems like it, it just seems like a really big mistake and on the other hand what I like um it, what I like about this story is it shows that we are operating in a real in an industry that is about real businesses so so much mm-hmm. we talk about craft mm. quote unquote we mean small to medium-sized breweries Hashtag and we th- post craft world Postcraft world, <laughs> and we think like we th- we think that we're talking about unsophisticated mum and pop shops, right? That's often how it's played out, and Motorcraft here shouldn't be an unsophisticated... and how it's marketed as well, Sabrina. Correct, how it's marketed, and yet here we've got an ASX-listed company being sued in, in a fairly, as Claire points out, technical um, space by one of the largest, um, you know not the largest but one of the larger now independent breweries Um, and it's actually kind of on the other hand I go it's good to see that we're sophisticated enough, that we're taking it seriously enough, that we Mm -hmm. recognise it's business enough, that this is the kind of thing that's happening. I just come back to my point. I just don't understand how in a really well-run business with proper governance, with controls, like their designers are sitting on Insta, Every day that they didn't see well, Sidewinder get launched, and
2: what's interesting about that as well is the trademarking issue, because neither until the end of last year trademarked any of it. So the reason that's the reason why this isn't a trademark infringement issue, this is a competition and consumer law issue. Because as as we got someone to comment, I had a lawyer from Levan um, have a chat about it. Obviously, we we aren't experts. Um, so the interesting point was that this is. Neither of them trademarked it, and that's why it's had to go to this much more complex and difficult-to-prove argument. So in a sense, yeah, it's good to see that it's like pr- the industry's professionalising. It's good to see that there are sophisticated players, but there's obviously lessons to be learned from this as well.
1: Yeah, and I think the int- the other interesting part, I mean, um, offline Matt and I were talking about the Better Beer, you know, so that was a distributor – out of Victoria, was it, that Mm. had that name. Uh And so, I mean, it's a bit rich for Mighty Craft to care about trademarks at this point, isn't it? (laughs) I mean, like, if you're happy to independently come up with your own name, that happens to be Not due due
0: diligence to see whether it exists. Correct,
1: and which then happened again, right? So the name of the beer... Was already um, out there being used within the industry, and then the stylization was already used. So yeah. that's two ticks against you in a process okay. to launch a product.
0: That's yeah. a huge product, that's, that's a huge a, runaway product. And
1: so then the question becomes is it just that the influencers have And I don't, I don't, full disclosure, I don't follow any of. Um, their content so I don't know them at all but have they said actually we love it screw you all
0: have you both had the chance to listen to the because we, we dropped it right at the end of last year the, the podcast I had with Mark Hazeman because you know we've spoken to who, who is the CEO of uh, Mighty Craft yep. you know covered uh, Mighty Craft since the inception had two previous conversations with Mark you know both of which were just sort of outline the model tell us a little bit about it you know what are your plans and it was all you know here's our grand vision for what we're going to do. And finally, you know, there was a bit of runs on the board that I could speak to. And I found it very, very interesting that when you ask questions, you get the buzzwords. Um, we're talking scale, we're talking growth, we're talking X, we're talking Y, and then, you know, our we're, we're a scalable platform for growth or whatever the, the, the term was. And, you know, they're almost, you know... Um, I, I don't know how you describe it, they're, they're just these blanket statements that you can project your own view of what that means. But you know, I, I asked, what do you actually mean by that? And I wasn't hearing things that actually correlated to my understanding of how the brewing industry actually works. When you've got you know, their network of eight breweries, all of which are being invested in capital expansion to increase volume – I don't know what that means for growth, and then when your one exploding brand, which is the Better Beer brand, is being made under contract, you don't really get the benefits of scale from that either. And yeah. it just came back to me that there, you know, that there weren't answers to those basic questions. It's kind of like we'll put this, you know, to use an old expression, we'll put this on the never never. We'll worry about that later, um, and. For a business that's this big and supposedly this sophisticated, I, I, I didn't hear a lot of answers to...
1: But in, I don't know. Like, I sort of go, in fairness, if you're an ASX-listed company, unless you've disclosed it already in, in your content and in your shareholders, you're not going to disclose anything new and revelatory on a podcast. So but they're covered a lot
0: by the finance... And, and this is the thing that, for want of a better term, shits me about media and media reporting of the brewing industry is... Oh, yeah.
1: He says, "As the media reporting of the brewing industry."
0: <laughs> yeah, but we're we're, well, a, we're, we're but we're a beer industry to tell, some tell extent. Tell me what shits you, and then what? well, you, you, you've <laughs> got the AFR that treat news as entertainment, and you know they they report um what was it you know like they they made this huge clickbait story out of the pallet shortage, saying there's going to be a beer shortage, and you're going well, it's got nothing to do with beer. There is no shortage of beer. There is a shortage of pallets, and but they made this huge story out of it. Yeah. So uh, but sorry and, and so so that's news is entertainment these days. News isn't fact gathering and fair report. Okay, like it's not informing people. It's generating traffic. Um, uh, and okay. But then so then you've got these generalist <laughs> reporters who know business. They know how to read a balance sheet. They know uh. these things, but they know nothing about the the um, inner workings of the brewing industry and you look at the AFS coverage of brew, But they so cover brew over and over and over again and never ask a follow-up question to... Kurt, to but so
1: to isn't it great because that's why you guys are here. Oh, but, but that's <laughs> right, okay. Thank like, you, for, well, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. well, I guess what's the point? The point is that you guys have followed up on this and asked a bunch of questions. You didn't get the answers you wanted. <laughs> no, um, no, 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 sorry, sorry. Like, Wait, no,
0: it's just, I, I didn't want... I, 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 I didn't... There wasn't an answer that I wanted. Yeah. I wanted an answer. Yeah, and... and I th- the Like, when I asked the same question five <laughs> times, you got to the things... You're asking some very good questions, Matt. These are questions we're asking internally. Yeah. And I'm sort of going, what is <laughs> your know. answer internally? Because you're not yeah. giving me but, one. But,
1: I, OK, so I'm going to... This is a shocking turn of events because I'm <laughs> about to play devil's advocate for Minecraft, and I started ooh, absolutely furious about the governance thing. But I would just sort of say... You know, I d- I do think that Mark made one really good point, which he said, "This is a model that is difficult yep. and that hasn't been done before." Hundred percent. In which case, sometimes you're ahead of how things should work, which is how startups yep. evolve, right? Granted, this is a you know sophisticated startup at this stage um, with lots of you know um, bells and whistles on it, but notwithstanding, it is still in their okay. startup, and so. Maybe they don't have it all figured out, but I'm going to return to my central thesis about why (laughs) this is a problem. Maybe if you got some more, you know, board diversity, some people with more skills and experience um, in a range of areas, um, maybe people with different perspectives because they're of different genders, um, you know, maybe this sort of shit doesn't happen because (laughs) it just shouldn't have happened. Okay, Paul,
0: playing devil's advocate to your devil's advocate. Given that it's a new model and they're working stuff out, do you think it might have been an idea to work some of this stuff out before they listed on the ASX? Because
1: <laughs> – But that was obviously – so what is there? Maybe, um, but I'm, you know, I'm not trying to – I'm not a shareholder. So no. somebody has voted and said, we don't care that they don't have it figured out.
0: Uh, and, and, and that's what always comes Somebody has back to, voted yeah, with
1: yep. their dollar to say, I don't care that they haven't got it figured out. I think this is a new model – uh, yep. I don't okay. want to lead into our NFT discussion, um, but this We're is having,
0: a- Are we going to have an NFT discussion? <laughs>
1: oh, should we? <laughs> um, but this is a new thing and we want to back it. But I do think, and I, I just want to make kind of a couple more points, but I think that...
0: <laughs> 20 minutes in. <laughs> you no, know, you go, good. Matt,
1: this is how... You know this is how this goes when you and I have a discussion, um, usually not on record. But I, I think... You know, like I, I just sort of think, what is the role? And then I come back to, okay, so if we're talking about, we're talking about sophisticated, theoretically sophisticated beer businesses mm. who are independent in the Australian brewing landscape and that's why this is news for us. But then I go, okay, where? what is another forum that could have been used to help solve this problem for these two businesses? And then I come back to, well, we've got the IBA and so – we don't know what steps would have been taken. I don't um,
0: think Better Beer is a member of the IBA. Is Mighty
1: Craft businesses aren't?
0: Well, but that. But th- th- this is mm. the problem with the, the, the structure. And, and so, so a- as we've talked ob- about, you've got Mighty Craft is a business. Mm-hmm. Then you've got the various um, businesses that go everything from 100% ownership down to, what, 40%? What, what's the lowest, Claire?
1: 25%. Oh, okay,
0: so so there you go. So you, uh, it's a messy... So, okay, so it's
1: a messy structure, notwithstanding, I'm confident that if they wanted to get advice and support from the IBA by picking up the phone because they know that that resource exists, they could have done so. And we had a case in New Zealand where one of the Brewers Guild members phoned me and said, hey, we're about to put in a trademark dispute um, because one of your other members has lodged a trademark against this, but we think it's too generic. Um not just for us but for a number of other breweries. We think this could be highly problematic. Um, What do you think? And I said, well, let me phone them and have a conversation. Um, So I exchanged a couple of emails and had a conversation with the other brewery. They said, let me go away and, you know, have a conversation. They did that. We came back. They said, we understand. It's not a hill to die on for us. Um, We'll pull the trademark registration. Other company who brought the complaint, very happy didn't cost anyone any money, was able to be facilitated, also including, you know, in a, um, you know, we didn't have to disclose who all the parties were, so there wasn't this sort of big um, then fight that (laughs) erupted. It wasn't public, so, you know, you don't don't have the news. We don't have these sorts of issues creating news and becoming the news about the brewing industry. Um, And so, you know, if you in terms of Claire's point about what can people learn, if you've got a concern about something, you've seen an issue, why don't you call your member association and ask for their input because... <laughs> which
0: may not be strictly... I, I, I think that's a great point. I just and, and hopefully there is a member association that will get involved in...
1: But maybe they don't know, but maybe they will know if you yeah. ask the question. And, and I think... I guess the point is that, you know, there are avenues other than a legal one, which suggests to me, given that it's been escalated to this point, that uh-huh. all other avenues have been exhausted... And I just don't understand how this is good for anyone.
0: Oh, it, and, and it's not. And suddenly you've got two brands out there that have both, You know, judging by the comments um, on, the, on the Facebook and you know, judging on the things that I've seen, both seem to have some very strong supporters. And either at, at the end of the day, either one of them is going to be forced to change its brand or you're going to have two brands out there that are confused with each other which seems to be, you know, so whatever the illegal... And, and we're making no judgment about the law in this case. We're just sort of talking about the, you know, observable facts. But you're either going to have two brands that are very similar in the marketplace, both of which seem to be doing very well, or one's going to have to change when it was avoidable, as you said, if somebody had said, hold on, should we launch or should we change? Um, mm-hmm. But you, 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 the one thing that I know for absolute certain out of all of this is that if you had to change the branding on the can there is a number that you can call to do that.
1: Well done. I see where this was going the entire time. And that number
0: would be 1300 852 235. If you find yourself with a brand that is uncomfortably similar to someone else's and you would like some clear space in the marketplace... Rowling's label stickers and packaging are able to not only supply labels for your cans or bottles, but they can also supply printed or blank cartons, cans, trays, decals, barcodes and shrink sleeves already applied to empty cans ready for filling. They can probably even shrink sleeve over your existing ones if needed. Now, the guys often get asked where you would buy a shrink sleeving machine. You don't need to. Um, It's probably even more expensive to get a shrink sleeving machine than it is to get lawyers. But what they can do is that they can print the cans and deliver them to your door, palletized and ready to fill. Nothing more to do. That number again, one 235 to discuss further. Seamless, just like oh, their cans. Don't
2: totally Absolutely stunning. Well, look, that was a pretty
0: <laughs> robust discussion, pretty big discussion about. Um, do we want to talk about Minecraft uh, and Jetty Road? One hundred percent. It's it is what it is. It was actually flagged last well, year that the, I'm
2: glad that they didn't call it. They did. They changed their name from founders first. Is all I'm saying about that. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, that, move good, on good
0: point um, because it was founders first. Yes. Okay. <laughs> so then the, when the founders start leaving, you know, are you really accelerating the founders? It's, it, it's, it's going to happen.
2: Also interesting, as we were talking about earlier, just looking at the um, percentage holding for each of the um, joint ventures and stuff that Minecraft are involved in. So Source has actually gone from 50% to 25% didn't realize that everyone didn't know you could do that there you oh, go downward uh, oh was
0: there an asx notification last year there that- was
2: something about that but i didn't realize that that would be one of the outcomes so interesting okay we um have to, but anyway yeah. it's just a really as we as we mentioned it's a really interesting model interesting who they are cho- choosing to back or having those discussions with the brewery owners about that in behind the scenes
1: um, and, yeah, we'll we'll see how we go with Mighty Craft. But, yeah, in, a really interesting time for them. It's going to be a fascinating ride because I said, to, mm-hmm. so, you know, coming out of the conversation that he had with Mark, they were talking about, you know, if you want to achieve scale, we might pick some winners in our, um, mm. you know, horse's stable. That's yeah. great. But if they don't pick one of the winners that has a current founder who is still the majority shareholder – then the founder isn't going to do as well as Mighty Craft, wholly owned. So, you know, like the way the dollars flow down is going to start to get interesting when they start talking about real money, um, bigger money. And so that's going to be interesting to see what that looks like. And I don't want to rehash old conversations about other acquisitions and other large businesses because I know everybody has views but (laughs) I would make the point you know if um, within your stable other horses are being picked and you're not and you're still a majority shareholder but you've got limited influence um, Uh because you're now reliant on integrated supply chains um, how much say do you really have Uh, and so what does that mean for the independence quote-unquote of that brand and so you know look I just think it raises lots of really interesting questions um, I'm not saying the model's flawed. I'm saying it's clearly not been tested and it's going to be interesting to see how it goes. It, it's going to say a lot of things for the Independent Brewers Association. It's going to say a lot of things for um, questions for consumers about what do they really care about and, and so on and so forth all the way down. So it's going to be really and fascinating.
0: This is one of the things, like, again, the, the discussion that we've had just here today and the the, the podcast, none of which is uh, negative scans at... Mighty Craft. We've covered it thoroughly because it's an exciting, interesting, innovative model that potentially is going to see craft brands get access to capital and scale.
1: Absolutely. Potentially. I think I was a little negative because I still don't think it should have happened. But
0: I just don't want to be seen to be bashing because it is. But three years in, I think we're at a point where we can start asking you know, it it portrays itself as being a very sophisticated ASX-listed um, organization with people. You know, and, and whenever you read a media release, you hear about you know their their board and their experience and their you know big beer experience and their you know level of sophistication. All of the words that we've said over and over again in this podcast. At some point, I would like to see some evidence of that clear thinking and sophistication in the moves that they're making in the marketplace.
1: I think it's bit, so. I would say that my. Um negative, um, is because I'm holding them to a high standard. Yeah, be, be, I'm holding yeah. them because to the, of the standard way that they, yeah, exactly. of yep. a sophisticated business. Yep. Um, and against that standard, oh, I'm making my comments. And so that actually says good things about them, yep. you know, to start off with. Yeah, yep. So that's – that's I would just couch it in those terms. And it, yeah. it's, it's
0: important to us at Brews News because, you know, one of the things I see in the industry is, going back to my criticism of beer journalism, I keep getting – Brewers, uh, not not sorry, not beer journalism, but industry journalism by mainstream generalist reporters. I keep getting brewers quoting to me stories that they've read in mainstream media, as if that is you know that, that, that is basically reporting back on things that they've been told by people who have a vested interest in the thing that they're talking about, and then people in the brewing industry quote that back to me as if it's a truth when it's actually. A promotion or a spin or something like that it's but not it, everything
1: it is, i read on facebook is true matt <laughs> <laughs> you not know that? But, Didn't you know well, that? Well, not, but i,
0: I don't see a whole bit <laughs> i don't see a high level of questioning of mainstream media coverage of the industry from people who are in the industry and know better than that because it appears in them and it, it's a great flaw in thinking is it because something's in the media it's Supposedly given true when having spoken to journalists and being quoted myself in the industry and seeing the way that they've used my quotes in in, in in the media, I just know that they're just after a headline, not after an investigation. To- what
1: you're talking about is like media literacy. Oh, no, just well, like, yeah. just like, Which let's is roll much it up. Wider, it yeah, is. Exactly, uh, anyway. right? So I'm just like, you're talking about media literacy, and that's a whole
0: well, drama. yeah, but oh, except, but this is the thing, it, 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 it's a, it, it's a, um, Flaw, like a, a reasoning flaw, that any time that someone has had a close contact with a media story, they go, "But this I was wrong we for this use reason." The words
1: close contact, right? Now. <laughs> oh, it's <laughs> really not. It might it's be a at. problem of our guys. Don't it, it, use it it. <laughs> it, it.
0: it might be app, but anyway, you know, whenever they've had a involvement in a news story and they can see the flaws in the reporting, but they don't, but then they read other and just assume that those are, are right. So that that is actually a problem. And at a time when almost all journalism is a vertical integration of public relations and you mm. know the both the the story proponent. because
1: media agencies need money to live um to survive. <laughs> yeah, we can have a whole conversation uh, about yeah. that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and I'm
0: uh, and yeah anyway. Anyway, <laughs> let, let, yes, <laughs> yes, let, let's move on. Next story, Brewing in New Zealand, twenty twenty one report released. The thing that really stood out for me um Because there there wasn't that much in the actual release, but um, stuff.co.nz, and we'll put a link in the show notes, um, they pulled out sales of low-alcohol beer have shot up 1,116% in the past five years as the days of limited choice have gone. Now, (laughs) you know, we've... We've had the two hundred percent, you know, the the constant referring um, to two hundred percent growth, um, and I've had a number of people over the over the break who've said, "Why do you hate zero alcohol beer?" Sorry, I shouldn't <laughs> use my fog voice because, they're, they're, but as as I say, look, I I have no issue against zero alcohol beer. It is just this untrammeled enthusiasm that just thinks because there are a couple of mutually similar or you know a couple of vaguely similar consumer trends that people are becoming healthful that there is a new generation that is drinking less and there is suddenly a selection of much better low and ultra low alcohol beers that this is a perfect storm um that will see alcohol zero alcohol um blow up zero alcohol is fantastic there are great beers there is a place for it but i mean even that when they still say eleven hundred percent over five years,
1: so I would step. So you're saying the <laughs> facts are wrong? Um, well, this is. <laughs> I'm not
0: saying the facts are wrong. I'm just sort of saying they're being overstated and misanalyzed.
2: Um, in the media or in general, or what? What do you
1: think that he I, thinks it everywhere? <laughs> everywhere, oh, okay. <laughs> so except I reckon, on Bruce News, except on Bruce News. <laughs> so I mean, for, I would make several observations about this one I'm really really pleased to see that this data has been released and so if we sit back and think about the brewing industry in particular the brewing industry in New Zealand that I love um getting data any data is really really hard mm-hmm. so the Brewers Association is um you know in New Zealand is formed by Lion and DB which is Heineken and it was formerly part of, you know, there was a Brewers Association Australia and New Zealand. They were a single organisation. They split a few years ago. And so there's the Brewers Association in um, in New Zealand that is separate and distinct from the Brewers Guild of New Zealand. Lion and DB and and their various companies are also members of the Brewers Guild. So they sort of double up on their membership. And so the Brewers Association, though, has a fairly heady regulatory uh, focus. Um But equally, I think in New Zealand we're very lucky that they put the funds into getting some of this data out of a third-party independent organisation, the New Zealand um, Research Institute, um, NZIR. And so, you know, A, it's really good that we've got some data because if we ever want any support in New Zealand, and we have much less governmental support for brewing in New Zealand as compared to Australia, so, you know, that's... That's the place that we start from. Um, So having any data is great. They took a year off because of COVID and so we haven't had data for a while. We had some banks that were doing some um, data production a few years ago, ANZ, they've stopped. So this is really the best source of data that we have that takes an overall look because small breweries don't like to report their information. Mm. It's really, really difficult. And when you look at the rolled-up information that's just provided through Stats New Zealand, you can easily tell that it's not accurate. And one place... So the thing that jumped out to me was not low alcohol. And I think... Um, you know, this says under 1.15, but I just know from running the New Zealand Beer Awards that we have seen increased entries in that space. Yep. So, you know, the facts are the facts. They've increased. Maybe it's 1,016% because it was off a very, very low base, which means that the increase mm-hmm. is, you know, you don't need that many products because you started with one product. So, Look,
0: uh, uh, j- j- just let me say, uh, just on that, on the 1,000% off a low base and all of this sort of thing, this is one of the, and, and, and even the more entries. Um, the comparison I'll make is back in the bitterness wars of the, the IPA. Um, you know, when everyone was going ridiculous with the IPA, um, we did a podcast, um, and I think it was with Tim Avadia, um, from who was with CB at that stage. And he said, you know, IPAs are never going to be a, a big thing. Every beer geek in Australia, um, who listened to the podcast shit canned what he said. Show me what the market, you know, and because it was the biggest category in awards, it was the thing that everyone talked about. It got all of and this is pre hazy days. Yeah. Show me the market penetration, the actual market penetration yes, so- for bitter IPA, which was exactly his point. He was exactly right. He showed insight um, that stepped outside of the conventional thinking. Um, and he was shit-canned, um, you know. It, it, it And that's the sort of thing I'm saying about – I'm not –
1: But I think, like, so if you take – if you read past the, you know, 1,016%, it says it accounts for 2% of super, supermarket volume sales. It's mm. not anywhere suggesting
0: that, oh, no, 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 yeah.
1: that it's a massive – so so I guess the point is, yes, it's increased, Um why is that something that we as an industry would want to be telling governments? It's because in particular in stra- in, in New Zealand we fight this argument that says every article that is ever published in mainstream media mm-hmm. that talks about alcohol harm has a picture oh. of a beer on the front. Exactly, It yes. is the brown yeah. liquid is oh, the yeah. devil. Yep. Nobody gets drunk from wine or spirits or RTD. It's always beer. Mm-hmm. And so these uh, – what – the industry does over and over, and I know there's criticisms for it, and I don't, that's not the, the point that I'm making. Is that why not talk about the things yes. that enable us to show to government that their understanding of the brown liquid industry is not correct? 100% for a whole yep. host of reasons, and one of those reasons is that we have got a low and no. A, a, no alcohol and low alcohol offering, and that uh, consumer preferences are increasing in that space, and we're meeting it, which means we're not the uh, we're not servicing we're not all about eleven point five percent beers. So even if um, it's coming off a small base, even if it represents two percent. The provision of making the choice available is a good thing. So, I come off that. So, the thing that struck out to me, um, just moving on, moving on from that discussion.
0: Oh, no, but before we do, um, my problem is…
1: Yeah, I know. I know what you're going to say. What's
0: that? You're going to say… You tell me what I'm going to say.
1: I know what you're going to (laughs) say. You're going to say… The problem becomes when people start saying that beer is a healthy product. no. No. Oh, you're gonna oh, go. I thought that snap,
0: you're usual, wrong. You're right? gonna go oh, down it? the
1: one about. The, you're gonna go down the rabbit hole about the whole. I hate people who say it's low carb, and no. it's better beer. <laughs> no.
0: the it. so this is, is where you all you think down. you know me,
1: <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> and it's you so just don't. <laughs> this is. I mean, this is the rant that I've heard before. Yeah. Well, this <laughs> is why we're introducing
0: new voices to the podcast because my bingo card is all new this year. <laughs> all no, right. It's the logical fallacy that, yes, we pr- we need to promote these things as positives ex- outside the industry. The problem is there is a feedback loop in the industry that we start believing our own propaganda, not not propaganda in yeah, a negative yeah, yeah. sense, we start believing that because we're telling everybody that low-alcohol beer is a big thing, that it is actually a bigger thing than it is. Oh, you mean so, we're so in
1: an echo chamber? Yeah. We
0: become in an echo chamber where we be- yeah. where we start believing in ourselves and start self-referencing our own opinions
1: yeah.
0: um, rather than looking at data or looking at the things that – and we stop asking the questions about. So everyone suddenly starts doing the same thing.
1: You mean making seltzers?
0: Making seltzers or making <laughs> zero-alcohol beer when there's, when there's not an industry to – when there's not demand to actually support it.
2: You're putting a lot of money in there potentially for something that you haven't got enough data on to – Prove that it is going to be and worth if, it in the long run. Well,
1: but okay, so then. You and we know, all end
0: up doing the same thing because other people are doing it and we assume that somebody has done their due diligence that we should be doing ourselves.
1: Well, not if people are listening to the Bruise News podcast. Well, this is why because, we assist. This is because, um, you know, this is my argument. And I, again, I keep stepping into big fights that I've had in the past and I don't really <laughs> want to, but, you know, this whole concept of um, I'm a you know, Tide Taps and I'm a new brewery and I just started up and it's not fair that there are Tide Taps. But if you were setting up a business outside of brewing and you had to assess your competitive landscape about whether you wanted to enter that market, Mm. existing relationships would be part of that competitive landscape assessment. And yet in beer we've kind of got this thing that says because the barriers to entry are so low, e.g. you can just say I'm a brand and I make beer and now I outsource it, um, then we say, "Oh my God! Now I realise it's hard work. Yes.
2: This sucks. <laughs> Thank oh, you. Yes. This sucks.
1: After oh my it, God! Yes. This is so terrible. Um, this shouldn't have happened." That's and just like look, saying, oh, "I want
0: to build a plane and then complaining about gravity. If my plane has to have wings, <laughs> if my plane has to have wings and the Bernoulli effect to lift it." That's just wrong. I
1: know. So I feel I don't want people to get mad at me because that was an overly simplistic summary of a very complex
0: but it is a, series a, but, of events. But it is a mindset that does pervade the industry. And, and thank and you so, for saying it.
1: And so, you know, bringing that back to the conversation that we're having about the self referent thing, which is that, you know, like if you are a beer industry, it is a highly competitive, very difficult market now. You look at the types of... Um, New models are coming out, like uh, Mighty Craft, that are trying new things.
0: And congratulations to them for doing that. Great. want to get it in there again.
1: And you've got sophisticated businesses like Brick Lane who are prepared to, you know, use all of the tools available to them to support their business, including um, litigation when necessary. So it is a complex um, environment, not to mention, and, you know, you, you layer into that supply chain issues, I mean, we can't overstate the staffing issues and the the impact that COVID is happening right now on small businesses, the hesitancy of people to go out into our hospitality businesses. I mean, it's just – it's heartbreaking. But you layer all of that in and it's a complex business. And so you can't actually (laughs) – We're no longer in a place where it's a luxury. You can open a brew pub and people will come and you can make enough money to feed yourself and your family. That Mm. just doesn't exist anymore. It is a competitive, difficult business space and you've got to think about it like a business. And so I think – You know, if everybody's producing a low alcohol option because they think that's going to save their business, then that's probably not a smart thing. But if they've made an assessment based on a series of things that they want to have a low or no alcohol option for their premises or their business or their offering or however they've come to that conclusion, good on them.
0: Thank you for speaking my mind much more clearly than I could. Um, This is why we brung
1: you. (laughs) 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 Can I just say, I just want to go back to the New Zealand one because obviously that's where my heart is. Sorry, Claire, I know we're going long. But I wanted to make the point around um, the 6,632 jobs directly and indirectly. Um, I haven't looked at this... Recently, but I'm pretty sure that number's gone up sizably. Okay, um, and so that <laughs> the, could,
0: these are um, what do you call it? You've got leading numbers and leading data and lagging lagging data. This is lagging data. Lagging data. Yep.
1: Um, and so, you know, um, I think I continue to think both in Australia and New Zealand that a skilled workforce in brewing, including in an, our supply chain, remains one of the biggest challenges that we're facing and giving a voice to those 6,632 people in our industry, what that looks like. I mean, um, many of your podcasts recently have touched on these workforce challenges, including with um, the new chair of the IBA, what needs to happen, the sophistication of employing that number of people. I just think it's the big issue. I'm really pleased to see that number sort of the size that it is because I think we're really starting to actually capture how many people contribute to the industry. It's not a small employer um, so, you know, I, I just think um, that that's the number that stood out for me, and, and that's the one that, you know, if I was the industry association in New Zealand, I'd be um, be thinking about. So,
0: well said. Awesome. Well said.
1: Hi, New Zealand. I love you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I miss
0: you, and we hope to get over there very, very soon. And one of the reasons we hope to get over there very, very soon is because there's this thing called the New Zealand Ale Trail, New Zealandaltrail.com or at NZ Trail on social media. And if you go there, you will find the best beer experiences in New Zealand. And they sponsor the mailbag. Claire, if we had a mailbag, what would it say? (laughs)
2: Well, we do, thankfully. Um, (laughs) today uh we've got shane westmore i know we've touched a lot on mighty Craft today um but Ari, them acquiring jetty road uh shane says i don't mind this move i would rather see small breweries and distilleries get acquired by a smaller company than one of the big brewers i think it's a trend we're going to see more of in the future same with tribe now i mean as, as we've mentioned we've talked on this a lot but the reason why some of the brewer, some breweries get acquired by bigger breweries is things that we've talked about about scale and about access to supply chains and lots of other things that unfortunately people like Mighty Craft don't have which is why they've had to outsource and contract brew with the Casella Coca-Cola um, Australian Brewing Company so I mean it would be nice to see that more often but I don't actually think we're going to see it as much as we some people would probably like there we go
1: I I have lots of thoughts. <laughs> yes. Well, like, this, is, so this is your this is your platform. This is my favourite. Well, I guess so. I don't disagree with Shane, um, but I think this comes back to, um, and I don't want to open the can of worms, but like why why is it better to have seen them acquired by a uh, big Australian bigger Australian company um, if it's not going to bring with it you know, better conditions for employees, um, okay. Australian sourcing of ingredients, like what is it about being acquired by another independent Australian as opposed to being acquired by a large okay. conglomerate? That does a well, lot of I the things that we should assume. I have thoughts on
0: independence. No, I don't. <laughs> I have
1: no thoughts but at all. I'm not a thinker. The usual
2: argument though, Sabrina, is that if it's going to a big brewer like blah, 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 profits are going outside of Australia. Um, well,
0: like given very few breweries are making a profit, the that doesn't says. really uh...
2: – so I, I, like, I Well, guess, not I, according to their corporate tax Oh, no, no, sorry, sorry
0: no. I meant small breweries, yeah. So, <laughs> oh, okay, okay, so, okay, so okay. The, the big breweries are making it. We've got one of the most profitable beer industries in the world.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I, look, I just come back to like why, what is it? Yes, it's the independence versus not but, – but, you know, um, we heard the recent discussion with the chair of the IBA and they've started using the language Australian – rather than independent, mm-hmm. reinvesting of profits in Australia, that's fine as long as, you know, like if you hire lots of people and treat them crap, it doesn't really matter that the money's mm-hmm. in Australia. So, like yeah. I just come back to like what's all the stuff in underneath that and so I'd yeah. be really keen to understand that even more, um, I guess yeah. is the point. Like what's the why, why do you why do you like that better? Um, but that's the question that you guys have been mulling on for weeks and weeks and weeks. Mm.
2: We have, and we've not come to a conclusion yet either. We don't. We, just, <laughs> we
1: don't come to conclusions, do we? Oh, <laughs> so we just very discuss- hook about it. Or you just <laughs> discuss internally and can't provide concise answers, kind of. Like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> kind of <laughs> like but Mighty exactly. Crap. <laughs> and uh, you know, just, just
0: to run a little bit of a house ad here, you know, if you like these robust discussions that you know actually dare risk offending people who may potentially give us money, and you value those discussions. You can support us, whether you're just an individual listener, you can jump on in the show notes and just throw a few shekels our way once a month or just one off, but if you're a brewery and you value this insight into the brewing industry and asking some of the hard questions, you can come on as a brewery subscriber as well, and uh, that makes what we do possible, and the more breweries that support us, the less we rely on any one brewery, and so we get to have these robust discussions. Um, Sorry, I you just cringed
1: i'm i'm cringing because i feel i feel like i hope that my if you
0: want an independent media that risks you need to support it that's what I'm saying.
1: Yeah. I, look, I agree with that entirely. I'm k- more concerned about all the stuff that I've just said and I hope it doesn't. Oh, Because <laughs> you said you're starting opening to why people should give you money as if you're an independent media that offends people and I thought, shh. Well, we don't set I out to I offend. <laughs> no, I, <laughs> I hope I haven't offended people. Yes, Marina. Oh. Uh, uh, unless,
0: unless you're going to be vanilla and say everything is awesome you are going to have people that disagree with you, and if people disagree with you, it's because they have acted on that thing and they're potentially going to be offended and they're not going to value us. And, you know, know. if if we had all of our income coming from one major international brewery, we probably wouldn't have the guts to report on the fact that some of those major international breweries aren't paying tax or haven't for a long time. This is what I'm saying. (laughs) If you want a robust media, you have to support the ones that are willing to... I don't
1: disagree. There you go. (laughs) Oh,
0: yeah. <laughs> Bear in mind, oh, you're not being wonderful. paid for any of this. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh, But Claire is. and if yes, you've <laughs> <am>. <laughs> So that was a house ad. Um, <laughs> now, uh, a comment from Josh Boyle on the reuse of glass bottles. I oh, yeah. listened okay. to the Matt Curtis yeah. from Pellicle talk about brewery sales, but the one topic that I wanted to get the professional brewers and drink industry people input on was a mead podcast, Make Ends Mead. They said niche. that uh, yes, yes. I mean mead is is never quite had its moment in the sun, has okay. it?
1: Um
0: they said that the law in Australia does not allow for the reuse of glass bottles. I've been away too long uh from Australia, remember? But this would seem like a good eco friendly uh um always hope you uh had a Merry Christmas and a happy new year. Thank you very much, Josh. Uh greetings in France. Uh what's a French greeting? Um I was going to say bon appétit, but that's probably apropos. <laughs> I think you're going uh, for Bonshaw. <laughs> Bonshaw, <shots, laughs> no, thank you very much. Or, yeah, Bon. <laughs> whatever, whatevs. Um, look, that, that is actually a fascinating one, and it, I, I don't think there's any simple answers because I think there was a time when bottles were recycled. Um, you would actually take your glass back, um, and if you go to Germany and parts so of Belgium saveable. these days, um, like you go in there and you sort of see the bottles come in, the 500ml standardised bottles, and when you pick up a bottle of Weinstefan, you see the white grind around the top and bottom, where they've been through the bottling line so many times, they've actually become a little bit sort of ground and worn um, because they're reused, and you see the bottles come in. It, it's also why when you put the bottles in an Australian esky that's filled with water, the labels come off because the glue okay. is designed to be water dissolvable, so when they put them in the in the system, they wash off. Um, all of the paper goes, it goes to recycling, the bottles get washed, my the, the the very, very brief discussions I've had with um, brewers is they find it a little bit frustrating because you have to accept every bottle that comes in. You have to, you know, um, clean them out and things like that. But the, the, the simple answer, I think, is unless you're doing it, in which case there's a, that little bit of inertia that keeps you doing it, it's a very, very, very hard thing to bring in because all of the businesses that use glass bottles – don't have the infrastructure in place Mm -hmm. to suddenly do it. Um, So yes, I think environmentally there is a whole lot of positives, but then again, Mm -hmm. it also uses a lot of water, a whole lot of other things. I haven't seen the environmental impact study uh, about it, but there is a whole ecosystem um, around that system that is very hard to retrofit on an entire industry.
2: Yeah, especially because we've invested heavily in CDS schemes in every state. Which, yes. <laughs> well, that's that People won't be encouraged thing, yeah. to move towards that if they've already spent a lot of time and money on a recycling scheme.
0: But could you imagine a little craft brewery coming in and having to recycle bottles and install the bottle washes and the purity and, 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 oh my and the God, things like that?
2: Nightmare. I don't think it would get away with like F-Sans and stuff.
1: You know, I was trying to think about the, in New Zealand, we've got the Swapper Crate Scheme. So that's where it, it's quite literally, it's a, it's a wooden... I love um, how you
0: say we, as if... Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, they, in There's New
1: Zealand... There's some muscle memory Aww. right there. Aww, sad guy. Don't rub um, it in, Matt. The sad guy. Um, <laughs> they had the um, Swapper Crate Scheme. And so I was just having a look. Those bottles, it's just the crate itself that's sort of um, reused. The bottles go back and are... Uh, um, you know, recycled back into the system, I believe. So as in they're not washed, they're the glasses recycled. Um and then I was thinking about so I know that as part of the CDS discussions in New Zealand, one of the sticking points we've got is um rigors and, you know, whether they will be included or excluded. And we're trying to make the argument that, you know, if somebody brings in their rigor and has it filled and then takes it home and reuses it and washes it and brings it back in, that's actually a much better, yep. you know, that's a much healthier environmental approach than sort of than having any scheme that would take that away. So, you know, we don't have bottle recycling, as in the bottles themselves get washed, but certainly mm-hmm. the at-home use of riggers and... Um, is, is a real thing in the brewing industry.
0: But that's kind mm-hmm. of a personal responsibility thing as opposed to you taking your bottle back Correct. and it could go to yeah, anybody yeah. else. Yeah. Uh,
1: absolutely, that's absolutely. Right. I mean, in Germany, that oh, I, thing I wasn't was even going
0: to touch on the on the food safety um, mm. yeah. argument. I was just how hard it is to suddenly create that just because oh. it, it makes sense. And that's, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's <laughs> it. Since, since when did something make sense actually become a reason for government policy?
2: <laughs> well, um, look, that's
0: it. we are <laughs> coming up so much for Ooh. keeping it. T- the news was so tight and oh. then. <laughs>
2: It went downhill
0: fast, <laughs> But it was a great uphill, conversation.
2: Claire, uphill. <laughs> oh, sorry, okay. No, it went. Yeah,
0: absolutely. It's a great conversation and uh, you know, I feel very much put in my place. Um, <laughs> so we will save the rest of the the um, news, the, the rest of the mailbag for next week. Um, but contribute to our mailbag this week. Let us know what you thought about the discussion. Um, hopefully you haven't got your lawyers involved in letting us know what they thought of the discussion. <laughs> <laughs> But we thank you. Uh, We hope you all had a great Christmas and a a very safe new year and you're staying as COVID-free as humanly possible in these very, very uncertain times. Um, Thank you very much for coming back for another year of uh, Brews News Week. Uh, Brews News Week is presented by Australian Brews News. It is produced by Vivian Topalovic. It is edited by Joe Helder. Um, Your guests have been Sabrina Kunz, our senior journalist, Claire Burnett, and myself, Matt Kirkegaard. And we look forward to joining you next week for another episode where we give you the news of the week.
1: See you, everyone. Bye, guys. And we're out. Boom.
0: That'll do. That'll do. Now now we need something from uh, New Zealand.
1: (laughs) Come on,
0: Sabrina. (laughs) Chair. No, that's a phoned-in chair.
1: No, I'm not doing it. Absolutely not. (laughs) Absolutely not.
0: All letters received will receive a Brews News bottle opener. We love hearing your thoughts on the stories we cover because beer is a conversation.